0: for generations, the Thorns have been a family of tremendous wealth, position, and power. The perfect marriage of Ambassador Robert Thorn and his wife, Catherine, was fulfilled by the birth of their son,
1: Damien. And then, when the child was five years old, something terrible happened. (coughs) And then, happened again
0: was it an accident was it murder was it a coincidence
1: or was it an omen? look
2: at me Damien it's all for you
0: 20th Century Fox presents a film of psychological suspense about an occurrence of earth-shaking importance Gregory Peck Believe him, the omen. Had five brownouts, and then in the evening, when I was set to watch the omen, uh, there was just complete blackout. You know. <laughs> so we ended up playing horrified by candlelight.
1: Oh, how perfect! Yes, it's <laughs> such a yes, great yes. board game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we we played against the Frankenstein's. Oh, good. And we, won. yeah, you won. We were good. Yeah.
1: Well, winning Go is on. winning is the important part. Can you hear me?
0: I yes, can, hello. Hello. I can hear
2: you. Okay, good.
1: Excellent. So um, you did have a supernatural occurrence um, with your electrical devices. Yes. Or a natural occurrence.
0: Or, or natural. I think uh, an XL occurrence.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the lo- the local electric company sp- is probably specific. probably responsible. <laughs> um I think we're probably pretty ready to kick it off if you guys are ready, let's do it. Sure. Awesome. Um I, I I've, I've got a free, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got to say Oh, what a, what a, what a crazy bunch of supernatural stuff to talk about with that movie. But listeners, you're listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're a podcast where three friends get together and talk about a horror movie, remotely in this case, which we will spoil. And uh, we'll talk about some recently watched, which we'll um, try not to spoil. And we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. And uh, find their music on Apple Music or iTunes, whatever they call it now, or Amazon, where you could buy it digitally and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are Chewing the Scenery on uh, Facebook and Instagram. You can say hello to us there. Send us a message if you would like. And we are not professional critics. Duh. <laughs> so, all that being said,
0: it's a stretch to call us. It's a stretch to call his critics.
1: <laughs> well, you know, anybody can be a critic. Anyone could be an arm, an armchair quarterback, or whatever they want to call it. But I think that you know, we we have a, a good a good mix of of different um, points of view on the movies and uh, different bases of experience. Uh. And uh, the listeners probably, to some extent, enjoy hearing some of that. And some people might just be listening to this while they're ironing, so that's cool too.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's very cool.
1: Yeah. So all that being said, mold some
2: clothes while you guys talk.
1: You know, that's cool. You know, you don't even have to be wearing pants, and no one would know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is my uh,
0: new T-shirt from Medusaena.
1: I was seeing the light, that is, man's version. that's a letter.
0: I, I, I just noticed that my visual here is uh back, is uh, flipped.
1: Oh yeah. Oh
0: so. yeah, for sure. I
1: was some, just
0: trying to work out what what was wrong and it's like, oh yeah, it's yeah the wrong way around.
1: Yeah, that's so weird, isn't it?
0: Yeah, why does it do that?
1: I don't know. It's it's like why do, why do they want us to see ourselves as a mirror sees us rather than as others see us. Yeah,
0: you're both the right way around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I could tell like you're wearing a, a shirt with a left chest on it. Right.
0: Yeah. And I was just looking at it on my camera. My, my, yeah, uh, it looks
1: normal
2: here.
1: Yeah. It looks correct okay. to me. <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: Very scurry.
1: Yeah. Of course I have to tell you guys when I go to um, expose a screen to print a left chest, I have to be super careful to get it correct. Like for as long as I've been screen printing and for as many tens of thousands of things as I've printed, I can still get that wrong. Oh yeah. Yep. Get it all taped up, lay it on the exposure unit, expose it, take it off and go, damn it. That's a right chest. No one's heart is on the right side. Mm. Um, what, what's uh, the last week been like? Have you all watched good stuff?
2: Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, we started Last Kingdom, ser- Series 4. Um, I've only watched the first episode. I don't know if it could be any good. Um, I feel like that's about it.
1: That's not a lot for a week.
2: No. Oh, I watched some show called Hot Wives of Orlando, <laughs> which is like a, a, a spoof or a parody of uh, Housewives of Hollywood, Miami, wherever. Right. Uh, and I watched the first series of that, and then the second series is Hot Wives of Las Vegas, so that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I blew through like six episodes pretty quick. you have christian Kristen Shaw on it um angela from the office uh, a couple other people you recognize from saturday night live recent more recent uh seasons oh that's it for me
1: okay um it's weird i have
2: oh i got a i got a it's not a movie but i got a book uh uh, of Ralph McQuarrie's art from uh, Star Wars, a big giant coffee table book. That's yeah. Around. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I'll have to, when when we can get back together in real life, I'll lend it to you. Yeah. It's something else. Right.
0: That, that sounds like yeah, so it was... play somewhere.
2: Yeah. I sat there, like, for, you know, an afternoon and just poured over it. And, uh, uh, what was I going to say about it? Anyway, just, uh, you have to be a real nerd to, to look at this stuff, but nice paper, you know, slipcase, everything, two volume. Uh, it was half price on Amazon, so oh, okay. I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> like, ah, uh, I don't know, $125 is a lot for a book, but yeah once in a while <laughs> yeah uh, that occupied a couple days there <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about you Jolien? anything new
0: uh i finished up the illustrations for the british horror film anthology nice. and uh, i was in a kind of kung fu mood but aren't we all these days
1: absolutely yeah. oh,
0: uh, so, I watched a couple of movies directed by Ka Pao Shu, who is, as far as I know, she's the only female director of martial arts films in Hong Kong, at least back in the 70s. Uh, so, I watched one called Bandits, Prostitutes, and Silver. Knife. Which, uh, as you might guess, is a kind of spaghetti Western plot, various uh, factions out to get a chest of silver. Um, this one's got Angela Mao and uh, Lo Lee in it. Um, and it nicks the soundtrack off the big gun down. <laughs> and then uh that's from seven and then an, an earlier one of hers called uh blood of the dragon and this one starred uh wang yu um following his uh he did a movie called beach of the war gods which is uh you know lots of martial arts fans like it because the battle at the end goes on for about 40 minutes
2: damn
0: these two armies fighting each other until there's only two people left wow um yeah, this one, the the end battle was a mere 20 minutes or so. But it, oh. can um, you miss it. Sorry?
2: blank can you miss it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I've watched a couple of movies uh, starring uh, Bruce Lee, L-I.
1: <laughs> um, Bruce-ploitation.
0: Yeah, so uh, his other name is uh, Ho-Chung Tao. Um, but he became like a... He's probably my favorite of the Bruce Lee impersonators. Uh, he does his own thing. He's not as, uh, he doesn't have the, uh, you know, the spectacular body or uh, uh, speed, but um, he's, he's quite charismatic and he can do this stuff. Uh, lots of good fights and um, as I watched uh, Fist of Fury 2 from 1977 and this one's also got Lowly in it. Playing the evil Japanese boss, and then the uh, and then Fist of Fury three from nineteen seventy nine, which I didn't like as much, but uh, Fist of Fury has got lots of good fights in it. Um, then I watched a uh, crimmy from the sixty six called uh, the Trigon Factor. Ooh, um, I think the German title means something like Curse of the White Nuns, but this <laughs> one's got. Uh, this one's a UK-German co-production, so a lot of are actually, they're, they're set in England, and especially London, but they're actually filmed in Germany. But this one's actually filmed in England, uh, British oh. director, uh, largely British cast. Uh, you've got Stuart Granger, Susan Hampshire, Robert Morley, James Robertson Justice. Uh, it's based on Edgar Wallace's K Plus Ten, and it's directed by Cyril Frankel, who did a lot of the... Um, avengers tv series and it, it really shows there's lots of bizarre stuff in it weird costumes and psychedelic sequences it's yeah it's kind of hard to follow
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's Got a whole, a whole bunch of nuns in it so i'm happy um then i watched a couple of movies which take place po- at least partially in colorado uh one's a disaster movie from 1978 called
2: uh, avalanche oh my god with mia Farrow.
0: yeah have you seen this one <laughs> oh man it's great yeah, it's, it's probably the funniest bad disaster movie I've yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, so, yeah, Mia Farrow, Rock Hudson, uh, Robert Forster, who's great. He's always yeah. great. Uh, so this is a laughable disaster produced by Roger Corman. Um, it was shot at Purgatory up near uh, Durango. Huh. Yeah. Um, employs quite a bit of styrofoam snow. Yeah. Um, I thought one of the f- funniest bits in it, there's this uh, ambulance driver, and he's just crazy. He, uh, he sets out from a nearby town, and he goes so fast around the corner that uh, he kind of does a skid, and someone goes flying through a plate glass window. <laughs> and, uh, and then he gets up to, you know, he does this screeching halt when he gets to the disaster scene, and uh, he takes away the uh, uh, mother of, uh, I think, the Rock Hudson character. And he drives so fast back down the mountain that he like, uh, he skids off this bridge and, and the ambulance crashes and explodes. Yes. <laughs> what a nut! Um, anyway, uh, that was very entertaining. Uh, that was on, uh, I think it was on Amazon Prime.
2: I believe, yeah, that's on Prime now. We yeah. watched it a couple years ago, and yeah, it was one of those like, oh. Why like, can't all bad disaster movies <laughs> yeah.
1: be that much fun? You know, yeah. it, it was one of those bandwagon things where it was like, uh, well, they should they should learn from like, uh, you know, when you have Fonzie jumping a shark, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just don't try to jump on the bandwagon because something's popular right. or in the zeitgeist. You don't need to have killer, killer bees or disasters. You don't have to.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, that's what's weird because, like, disaster movie peaked a couple, you know, at least two years before. Uh, Roger Corman he usually gets his movies out while the, while the big ones are still putting up their publicity. Yeah. So, so he's right in there. But this one's like 1978. It's really late for a Corman cool yeah. movie.
1: For sure. We're on to uh, slashers by then.
0: Yeah. Then <laughs> uh, we watched a TV pilot uh, called Baffled. From 1973, um, <laughs> this one stars Leonard Nimoy.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Susan Hampshire, Vera Miles. Um, this one it starts off at Stapleton.
2: Wow! Wow!
0: Yeah, she flies out of Stapleton Airport. Uh, for people who don't know, Stapleton is uh, probably our f- most famous member of the Ku Klux Klan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. was also a mayor back in the 30s, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um,
0: Anyway, uh, it's the same airport that's in Shining. Um,
1: and strangely, so- that that you know, we we not only had an airport named after Stapleton in recent enough history, but when the airport was uh, leveled and then, of course, relocated to what is now Denver International Airport, several miles away, they chose to call this the development there Stapleton. So. Um, We learned nothing is the moral to that story. I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Context for the listeners.
0: This one's uh, Leonard Nimoy plays this uh, ace race racing driver. Hmm. And uh, but he's also uh, he suddenly finds out he's got psychic powers.
1: Oh, okay.
0: He gets glimpses of the future. Uh, And Susan Hampshire, uh, she runs a bookshop which means that she's an expert in the occult
1: of course
2: well yeah
0: and so they they will end up at this um, house on the coast of Devon where uh, mysterious things are going on you don't know what and you don't know what the stakes are for quite a long time so it's not very exciting <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: it's got quite an interesting uh, like subtext going on um, but Vera Miles is is staying at this house with her daughter, and her daughter goes from this uh, incredibly innocent girl who carries around her stuffed kangaroo everywhere, to this. Uh, she's she's more. They can't do sexually precocious on TV, but that's obviously where she's going.
1: Mm. Um,
0: but uh, uh, yeah, and, and uh, Vera Miles finds herself in a very. Well, quite a similar situation to the one she was at at the Bates Motel. Um, so anyway, it wasn't that good, but it's got its moments, and I always enjoy those seventies uh, TV yeah. film. That one's
2: on Prime too, I think. Hello, you still there? I'm still here. Me too. I think. Am I?
1: Yeah. Am I still here? I can hear you.
2: And um, the omen, I watched it.
1: <laughs> Go on. Mine
0: is unstable, Yours is. is on what? I keep getting this message, message saying my internet is unstable. Oh, okay. <laughs> Emotionally, yeah, keep...
1: unstable. Um, Emotionally unstable. Emotionally so,
0: unstable. Uh, Uh, I watched, uh, you know, back uh, when we had those really windy days. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think the weekend before last. Yeah, I watched the own documentaries and it was all dark and windy and there's this excellent like, horror movie wind noise coming through the trees. Uh, that was really cool. And uh, I had to go out because I, there was a scratching at the windows and it was the wind uh, putting branches up against the glass. Yeah. <laughs> I, like- I had to go out in the darkness and wind to uh, cut back the branches and I thought this could be like an omen style scene and something terrible will happen to me and I'll never live it down.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so t- just stereotypical uh, movie trope. It's, that's perfect. I think they yeah. they even use that in a Friday or a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, if I'm not mistaken. Was that it for recently watched? Yep. Yep. Well, it's funny you mentioned weather events because, of course, yesterday afternoon, uh, what, around 2 o'clock all the way till 9 p.m. It just rained nonstop and it doesn't rain here in Denver that much. And it was raining like crazy and didn't stop. I had to go out with a big like shop broom, like a big push broom and push uh, all the water back out from under the patio so it didn't soak the um the area rugs and stuff that we have under the patio. And I'm looking at this thinking, wow, you know, unprecedented everything this year, just crazy wind, crazy rain, pandemics. What else you got? <laughs> just hit us I with ask. it. Yeah. I, should, I, sh- no, nah. I yeah. shouldn't, I really shouldn't. <laughs> um, so this, uh, this past week, um, I decided there was a Bigfoot, a uh, thing on uh, Prime that I wasn't sure I had watched or not. And I started that, and it turned out I had not watched it. Uh, I could tell by the year on it, it was a 2020 release. Uh, the Bigfoot Alien Connection Revealed. Guys, there is a connection between Bigfoot and aliens.
2: And it's been revealed.
1: <laughs> yes, best evidence. <laughs> or, you know, whatever. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I saw this. I didn't watch it, but I saw it come up the other day, and I wondered if you had seen
1: it. I have now, <laughs> and I couldn't tell you a single thing about it. So oh. it makes me kind of want to rewatch it. Um, yeah, I tried
2: to watch some show on conspiracies that was on Netflix, and, and I don't remember. I fell asleep pretty quickly into it, and woke up, and they were talking about. Bigfoot and aliens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with several episodes had passed, you know?
1: <laughs> and so I had to ask, who am I? What am I watching? And then I decided, you know what? It's not all about aliens, Bigfoots and horror. So I decided for at least a few nights in a row, I would watch something that wasn't any of those things. So I watched a, um, dystopian future, um, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, It's not a drama. It's not a romance. It's something else, but it's called everything beautiful is far away. And uh, I don't have the, um, the actor's names in front of me, but it's, it's the young lady who plays Ruth in Ozark with the blonde curly hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's her and some nice looking young guy and he's a desert wanderer and he comes across her and she's not prepared to be in the desert. And uh, he seems to be able to not just exist in the desert, but be able to um, know what to do and survive uh, handily. And he's looking for something called the Crystal Lake or something like that. And uh, not... Camp Crystal Lake? I was hoping it would turn and go that way, but it didn't. (laughs) But uh, it's really cool because they pair up and he's helping her. They come across one stranger, and I really don't want to spoil this, like we kind of hinted we wouldn't. Um, They do run across one stranger, nothing bad happens, that's all I'm going to say. And um, they go about their way. He's carrying with him a robot head from a a robot he had created, who is smart like Siri. But uh, apparently the body got all locked up with sand, so he just eventually had to just remove the head and carry it with him. And uh, okay. yeah, so they're on their trek to find this lake. So it's really cool. It reminds me of some other futuristic stuff where not everything is a hover car. Um, so uh, worth a watch for sure. That's a 2017 release. Um, I watched Puppet Master, the littlest Reich from 2018. Uh, Why? <laughs> I just. I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess I really, I wanted to see how, um, how Barbara Crampton handles lesser material and their puppets look pretty good. I gotta be honest. Like I watched some other puppet master movies and, uh, I don't mind watching those puppets. Uh, I don't expect anything from the script. I don't expect much from the director and, um, Barbara Crampton's awesome. She's always good at what she does. And, uh, so I got to say, I would give it a solid C. All right. um, Let's see. So let's see. I watched Everything Beautiful is Far Away. That was my um, not a horror movie. Um, I watched Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones. Um, PJ PJ Souls from Halloween is in it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I felt like it's either been so long since I've watched it, or maybe I've never watched the whole thing. So I decided I would watch this thing start to finish. And, uh, I got to say as much as these are supposed to be comedies, um, the jokes don't really land anymore. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think I forgot to mention I had rewatched up in smoke, the Cheech and Chong movie.
2: Yeah.
1: Jokes don't really land. They're not really funny. They were funny when I was 14. Um, but, you know, rock and roll high School was, was humorous and enjoyable, but I don't feel like it really made me laugh. But it was fun watching the Ramones just kind of show up and be like, yeah, we're doing this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. We'll go to your high school and rock everyone's face. You know, like it was just kind of funny <laughs> like that. I don't think they show up. I mean, their music is played, but I don't think they they show up until like 40 somewhere between 40 and 60 minutes into the movie. Uh but totally watch, you know, totally worth a watch and uh so that was fun. And then I thought, you know what? I'm up late. I don't care if I nod off. I know what happens in this movie. So I watched Halloween from 1978, also with PJ Souls in it. Uh that was just last night. And then um The Omen. So that's where I've been the last week. So that was more viewing than normal for me. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the omen prior to just recently, Will, when's the last time you saw that one?
2: Mm, three years ago.
1: So it was pretty recent.
2: Yeah. Not too, too long ago. It was um, when we first started the podcast.
1: Oh, cool. So
2: uh, Gene and I watched the first two.
1: Oh, wow. Um, does this one still work for you?
2: Yeah, I like this movie. This is, this has always been a pretty good movie. Got some good kills, some good creepiness.
1: Yeah.
2: You got a devil baby. Yep. Uh, the line, I did it for you, Damien, has come up numerous times in my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the most shocking thing you could do in a movie back then. Of course, until the decapitation later, but, um,
2: yeah, yeah, we were like, how do you top that birthday party? (laughs) You're there and you're like, Damien got a suicide for his birthday. (laughs) All I got was a pony and a magician.
1: (laughs) Well, and I was going to ask you since that part of the movie is set in England. Um, had you ever seen one of these portable carnivals show up at a birthday party when you were a kid?
0: Well, I, I, was, I was not in that class. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, yeah. A,
1: it is a class thing then.
0: Oh, it's yeah, yeah. definitely a
2: class thing there.
0: Uh, I, I remember a bouncy castle being brought into the neighborhood, and that was a big deal. Local kids went to that.
1: Yeah.
0: I went along and got a tooth busted out.
1: Aww. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that happens. Uh, that happened with badminton when I was in high school the most dangerous of all sports
0: yeah but if you want to talk about supernatural accidents uh, uh my mum worked at the ophthalmic hospital so as they, they treated eyes ears nose and throat and uh they also had uh, across the street they had their own uh, tennis court this beautiful like 1920s tennis court and uh so for the, the very first time I was allowed to go play there with my brother um he, he, his first serve went straight in my eye. Oh. So I was just taken across the street to the hospital and treated for that. I had a big patch over my eye. Oh. Second time, I went near a, a bird crapped on me.
2: Oh, man. So, so you was, were through with tennis.
0: Yeah, I was through with tennis at that cursed tennis court.
1: Jeez. <laughs> So I, w- I was hoping that your second visit was a, an injury to the nose. And then the third visit was an injury to the throat. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then you knew better, don't let your ears get damaged.
0: <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah we, we never even had a clown parties or anything like that.
1: No. Um, again, This he, kid had a bunch of clowns. Yeah. Uh, the looks on their faces w- with when, the, um, when the nanny hanged herself. Yeah. They're the first clown that was sort of this Pagliacci looking guy. His Mm -hmm. face was just priceless. It's like, who's laughing now, clown? (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing you could do to bring levity to this. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, if one of them had said some sort of a little zinger, that would have been so perfect. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, you know, I for, I did forget to mention one thing. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt our movie by saying I did watch um, a few episodes of a Netflix series called Reckoning. It's got Sam Trammell, who was in um, True Blood, which if you haven't watched, yeah. he played Sam in True Blood. That was pretty cool. I got to say. And uh, real quick, I will Does say. They run a
2: wrecking yard?
1: Nope. Believe it or not. Well,
2: there's darn.
1: There's a serial killer at work. And you're given two main suspects to sort of fixate on. He's one of them. And the other oh. the other guy, it's probably neither one of them. They're probably both red herrings. Um, but um, the other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, the, um, the movie Everything Beautiful is Far Away is Julia Garner is the one who's in Ozark, who's also in that movie. And then Joseph Cross is the main character. And the guy they come across is... Uh, C.S. Lee, who plays the stranger, they come across. So, um, sorry to interrupt ourselves, but uh, that was that was probably worth mentioning. But the Omen, um, yeah, I don't remember any remarkable birthday party uh, uh, antics, including clowns, uh, portable merry-go-rounds, pony rides, bouncy castles, any of that. So it was. Pr- It was probably safer that we didn't have all of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I imagine we probably dragged out some, some dangerous toys at some point in time or another, like BB guns or something, but probably, you know, other than that, uh, everything else was just sort of like, here's a folding table with some cake on it, (laughs) (laughs) you know?
2: Not just on the table, I hope, in a pan or on a plate or something.
1: Nope, just straight on the table. We didn't have money for pans and shit. <laughs> yeah. No clowns, no ponies, no silverware. Just No
2: pans, no silverware. But we got a table with cake on
1: it. <laughs> hey kids, knock yourselves out. Yeah. But then none of us were the son of Satan either, so you know. We didn't have that kind of privilege. Yeah. Julian, when's the first time you saw this one?
0: Uh, it would have been on TV,
1: heavily edited.
0: Uh, when I was a teenager, probably. Yeah, yeah. There wouldn't be much left of the play class scene.
2: No, no. I remember that being largely implied on TV.
0: Yeah. But we- I, I, the uh, the trailers for it I saw, and the um, must have been a re-release. But the uh, there was, we had this. There was a kid across the street from us named Darren who used to come over sometimes and uh, he would, he was like a couple of years older than, than me, uh, but he'd always claim that he'd seen the latest horror movie and, and he'd relate the whole plot of it. <coughs> and and then and later on you actually see the films and you realize he's just making it up. But Aww. he'd written this stuff down, it was, it, it was really good. He came up with one for the Omen that was completely unrelated, but uh, it was really good. <laughs>
2: damn
1: you've mentioned him before you
2: didn't write those down yeah that'd be great yeah it's something
0: about this you see a woman in a rocking chair and then all these crows come in and land on her and the crows fly away she's gone
1: oh Oh. man save that for a (laughs) screenplay derwood now he's lucky. he's lucky he didn't grow up in the u.s because with bewitched showing here everyone would have been calling him (laughs) derwood have you watched bewitched
0: no.
1: Okay, so the so um, basically a to lay out the plot. If if you don't already know, a mortal man marries a woman who's a witch. His name's Darren. Her name is Samantha. And the mother-in-law, Endora, always calls Darren anything but Darren. She calls him Durwood, Dustbin. Uh, Isn't. <laughs> that's agnes moorhead by the way who you do know from some other movies um but uh if your name was darren and you were an american everyone would have been calling you uh uh derwood and then dustbin and Duckbill bill and all the other things that she would call him but uh it sounds, it sounds like Durwood was quite the little writer yeah i like the the dissolving crow woman thing that's pretty badass um oh that's you know that's crazy this is totally like on on that <laughs> subject but uh if you ever had like a sh- just a crazy shit ton of crows show up in a tree near your house yeah and you wondered why all them crows all at once um there's never really an explanation i've heard but we had that happen recently like 3 or 4 weeks ago Uh, an immense amount of crows showed up at a house about, I don't know, three houses away from here. And they were all squawking and circling, going completely crazy. And, uh, we asked the neighbor, uh, Hey, did, did you catch when all those crows were going crazy? And he says, Oh yeah, that's so-and-so next door with that box that he owns. What are you talking about? Oh, he's got some box that he plays and, the crows all show up. Really? It's, yeah. So this guy is a, he's a policeman and he's a hunter. And so he's very outdoorsy. And apparently he's got some sort of electronic device that when you, when you play the thing, (laughs) the crows go crazy. Wow. So if you want to dissolve an old woman in a rocking chair, there's a, (laughs) there's an electronic (laughs) box that will help you out. Okay. There. So... (laughs) So, Julian, you were in your teens, and this thing was heavily edited.
0: Yeah, so uh, by then, I'd read the novels, at least the first four novels, to to get an idea of what was going on. Um, And the novels, there's there's stuff in there that they didn't have in the film. Do you know about the novels?
1: Um, No, I didn't. didn't, Did Seltzer write those?
0: Yeah, Seltzer wrote the first one uh, while they were finishing up the movie. And uh, so when so it was released like, simultaneously with, with the movie uh, and it sold three and a half million copies, it's, I think it's the best-selling novelisation
1: wow. uh,
0: to, to this day. Uh, and then Joseph Howard wrote uh, Damien Omen 2 novelization. Uh, and then Gordon McGill wrote uh, Omen 3, The Final Conflict, Omen 4, Armageddon 2000. And Omen 5, The Abomination. Ooh.
1: (laughs) The Abomination. Oh, that's
0: great. Uh, So I remember uh, Omen 4, Armageddon. The two things I remember is uh, Damien Jr. is born out of a reporter's butt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I,
0: I think at one point in it, some guy gets creamed because he gets caught up in the undercarriage of a plane as it lands. Ooh. there's about a mile of him left all over the airport.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
2: Have you seen any of the sequel? I've seen *Element th- 2
0: I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen all of them. Uh, I've not seen the TV series. Um,
2: and how about the remake?
0: Yeah, I saw that.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a waste of time.
1: Yeah, but, as man, suspected.
0: Yeah well, yeah, well, the keys the kills are in uh, CG is just like not the same. No, no,
1: it's pretty
0: lame. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Final Conflict. Um, I saw sort of saw the t- Omen Four, the TV movie. Then um, David Seltzer wrote uh, he wrote a TV series called Revelations in two
2: thousand and five, and then he wrote uh, the. That's 18- about those. A futuristic car race, right? Revelation.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, 2016, there was a the Damien TV series, which I've not seen any of.
2: Wow. Hmm. Did you see that one at all? No, I didn't even no. know that was out there. Okay. Yeah. It didn't last long. Yeah. I'm guessing
1: not. What do you, um, what do you suspect was, well, for, first there's another question. You're aware of the release date for the UK on this one, right, Julian?
0: Uh yeah, the the sneak preview of this was uh, 6th of June 1976. 666. Six, six. Yeah. 6676.
2: 6676
1: <laughs> six, six, <seven>, six, <laughs> The Neighbor of the Beast.
2: <laughs> Cause they did they released the remake on like 6606. Six, oh,
1: six. Yeah. So in in uh, the U.S. the uh, the release date was was uh, six twenty five seventy six you know, ah. Which is super sinister.
2: Um,
1: but I guess uh, the big question I have here is what was going on in the Western world? I won't just say the U.S. because this was popular in uh, the U.K. as well. What was going on in the world, especially the Western world at the time, that everyone was so ready for this and The Exorcist and a handful of other things that were like not um, grindhouse stuff or anything like that. These were mainstream releases. This had a budget of 2.8 million dollars. I think 0. 0.8 million went to the uh, decapitation scene, uh, <laughs> but it made $60.9 million at the box office.
2: They that... actually decapitated David Warner in this film. <laughs> He's that dedicated.
1: <laughs> He's a real method actor.
2: <laughs> yeah. He studied people who'd been decapitated, you know, yep. interviews whatnot.
1: He knew just how to act. What uh-huh. was what was it that was going on that we were so ready for this as a society or societies? Any thoughts on that?
2: I don't know. I think it was just the, the dark flip side of the new age movement from the sixties.
1: Yeah.
0: In 68, you'd had uh, the time magazine ran their God is dead cover. Uh, and you had all this, uh, you know, the, the breakdown of the old and, uh, people not believing in the Christian God. And um, so that kind of left a vacuum and people were looking around for other stuff. You had all this new age things and uh, uh, rebirth of Wicker, and um, and then and the movies can feed into that. Um, so, and obviously the exorcist was a massive hit. Um, yeah.
1: Rosemary's baby as well.
0: Yeah, Rosemary's baby. And then the exorcist was like re-released I think around the time, seventy-five or seventy-six.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it was obviously big, you know, box office potential. Yeah, uh, this was still one of the earliest uh, horror movies that a big studio made, though, uh, you know, with major stars and uh, you know, decent budget. Um, so it, it really killed off like independent studios like Hammer. Uh, they're on their way out anyway, but um, once the big studios start getting into horror, it kind of, uh, they led the pack.
1: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It, it seems like there, there was definitely um, something in the air as far as, um, like you said, the, uh, the deconstruction of the old ways and people maybe grasping for something new. And here, here comes the, um, the dark side of, of the old ways to say, Hey, don't forget about me. I got, I got something to say here because we also, you know, it uh, we, we had the wicker man. Um, we had, uh, well, I mean, really even the smaller studios that that stuff was well known. Um, like you, you could even look at, uh, independent things like night of living dead or, um, Carnival of Souls, any of these smaller things from, we're talking from mid-60s, late-60s to the mid-70s. There was a lot going on where people were pretty fascinated with the occult. I remember hearing adults talking about being terrified by having read any of the books that became movies or having seen the trailers to these movies and just being scared to be home alone. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this was, this was a big deal, The Omen, that really shook people up at the time.
1: Yeah, the critics, on the other hand, were a bunch of dicks about it. Did you read some of <laughs> I mean, let's just call it what it is. None of them were nice about it that I could find. Uh, critical response, um, uh, Richard Edder of New York Times called it a dreadfully silly film, but reasonably well-paced. he said we don't have time to brood about the silliness of any particular scene before we're on to the next. There is not a great deal of excitement, but we managed to sustain some curiosity as to how things will work out. I mean, I will agree with the part that it's well paced, but why, (laughs) why silly? Um, let's see. Uh, Variety magazine praised Richard Donner's direction as taut uh, and the performances as strong, but noted that the script sometimes was too expository, too predictable, too contrived, and is nonetheless had good connective fiber. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was predictable. Like I saw that that hanging and that decapitation coming a mile (laughs) away. (laughs) Uh, And then the skeletons in those graves totally saw that getting in the cab. (laughs) <laughs> um roger ebert gave the f- the film 2.5 stars out of four gene siskel his pal of the chicago tribune i don't know if they had a show together yet i don't think they did uh gave it 2.5 no, st- yeah they didn't that was later in the 70s
0: did you see how many stars roger ebert gave the remake no he gave it more
1: <laughs> did he really yeah oh,
0: yeah it was like four stars or something
1: oh my wow. god what
0: so there you go there's the integrity um i
1: but thought this
0: this made so much money i couldn't find a consistent uh sum of how much it made internationally but this made so much money that it saved fox uh like i think this and silver streak were their their top money owners of the year and yeah. the omen was you know somewhere in the top five uh, of the year um and it made so much money that they could fund uh, other projects, like uh, uh, as the the new George Lucas movie was being made at the time.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and it made uh, made Richard Donner's movie career. He'd be doing TV up to it now, so this was his first. Uh, yeah, and then he got a... his first major movie. I think he'd done a couple. Then he then he did Superman and the Yeah Lethal Weapon series.
1: And if if you've ever heard people being really cheeky about how um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it's like, oh, that's straight up a horror movie. Well, you know what? I can't say you're really wrong because um, David Seltzer, uh, although uncredited for his contributions, uh, is said to have written about a third of Willy Wonka, you know, for the screen. Cause they, they just credit, um, uh, Roald Dahl as the, the sole screenwriter. But, uh, if you think about that, the horrific, crazy stuff, uh, (laughs) that happens on screen. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's got to have had a hand in some of that stuff. Like the part with the boat, Oh, nightmare fuel for kids. So, that's all I could really say about that. But um, yeah, domestically we know it made more than 60 million, but worldwide. Yeah, you're right. It's at this point, you know, 40 some odd years later, it is pretty hard to get a consistent uh, read on that. Um, now this, this thing about uh, the, the, the birth of Damien. Well, the birth of the child that, uh, that died that was replaced with Damien with the father's consent and knowledge, but not the mother's consent or knowledge. Um, are we supposed to believe the jackal gave birth to the devil baby? Yes. How, how that's
2: do, what, we t- I that's mean, what we're told.
1: I mean, I could see they buried a jackal in the grave, but jackals can't carry human babies.
2: Uh, the devil's not, not real either, it. but yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm suspending my disbelief for devil stuff, but not jackal human baby. Not with jackal babies? <laughs> no. Come on. He was adorable. That little boy was so cute. There's no way he was half jackal. Not possible. He <laughs> was,
2: was just born of a jackal, not part jackal.
1: Okay. So it was a surrogate jackal birth situation? Yeah. Okay
2: if that makes it better and easier to swallow, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I did believe the, the concrete lid breaking when somebody dropped it from that height that, that I did believe. Yeah. Yeah. That, that worked. Uh, Rottweilers, um, mostly friendly, but when they're not, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a dog. Yeah.
2: Is this what put Rottweilers on the map as a dangerous dog? Is this movie? Yeah, this did make them more popular. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. It seemed like um, it was Do- it was um, German shepherds were the reviled dog for a while. I think that was because yeah, they yeah. were in a lot of footage with cops sicking them on people. Then it was Doberman Pinschers. Yeah. Then Rottweilers. The deadliest dog. Yes. Then Rottweilers, and I think Dobermans kind of got it back for a while, and then Pitbulls came along and said what.
2: Pitbulls were in there early, too. They were before Rottweilers. I remember the late 80s Pitbulls were. Yeah. They were phasing out the Dobermans for the Pitbulls.
1: Yeah, the Dobermans straight up lost that battle. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're kind of skinny. <laughs>
2: you're kind of skinny. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, But Min Pins are adorable.
2: Min Pins?
1: Yeah, miniature Doberman Pins Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, minpins, as their owners like to call them, they're pretty adorable. Yeah, it's like if you threw a Doberman in the dryer for too long, <laughs> <laughs> this little little thing would hop out.
2: Did they make little Rottweilers like that?
1: They should minrots.
2: Minrots, yeah.
1: That should be a thing for sure. Um, like
2: that kid at the at the art store who told us he was going to breathe. Uh, Rottweilers and pandas, <laughs> or pandas and pit bulls—I think it was.
1: Was it that crazy kid?
2: Yeah, it was some crazy kid who came in. He was looking for uh, paint he could inject into empty Taco Bell sauce packets so he could hand out to people, and he, like green paint would come out instead of salsa. Oh, and then he's like, "I'm also working on a uh, with a guy on a pit bull." Panda cross breeding Project
1: you, You've you got a better shot at crossing uh, Humans and jackals dude I'm sorry it's not, not yeah. going to work um, Let's talk about the, the uh, Decapitation scene some more <laughs> I could see Where that would be like The edit would be the sheet Going toward his head His reaction shot in that split second And then like And
2: then everybody looking away
1: yeah, yeah. Every, be the
2: shock. Yeah, I think that's pretty much how they did it. Yeah, just, on TV.
1: But in the unedited version, holy wow! Does his head get some airtime?
0: Yeah, it really yeah. rolls. Apparently, uh, Richard Donner planned it that way so that because normally when you see uh, someone killed in a horror movie, it would just be like whack and then it's done. And he timed it so that people cov- he noticed that people would cover their eyes for three seconds. Oh. So i'm just so that when they put the head <laughs> down again the head will still be doing the wrong the oh, that's blocks. great
1: still tumbling that's awesome so three seconds that's the rule i wasn't aware yeah. of
2: that
0: three seconds yeah, it's, it's, it's often a rule with how people look at things
2: oh or not look at things
0: yeah yeah but this this head uh So, the special effects, the the supervisor was uh, John Richardson and and, uh, some makeup. uh, Stuart Freeborn worked on that. Okay. Um, uh, But uh, David Warner kept the head. Nice. Uh, And then he he lost it when he got divorced. Um, Oh. He was. uh, at the time, I think he was married to um, Sheila Kent. And she won the head in their divorce case.
1: Oh, my
2: God.
1: <laughs> That's just cold hearted right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well,
1: of course, depending on what kind of guy he was, maybe she had a point, you know, maybe she wanted to be able to just, you know.
2: Yeah.
0: Kick that sucker around sometimes.
1: Yeah. Just pretend it was for real. She probably had that playing out a loop. (laughs) Right. Just watching his head get cut off over and over and over. (laughs) Uh, So, uh,
0: so he he went on to scream too, but before this, he'd been in uh, from beyond the grave. I think that was his only other horror movie at this point. Okay. Uh, From beyond the grave is one of those amicus anthology films. Yeah. Uh, He was in straw dogs and, uh, yeah, he's in,
2: he's in tons of stuff. He's in been, yeah, he's been in tons of stuff. Most importantly, Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: I liked the character. He kind of had that uh, that that hip guy thing going on. He was like the hip photographer yeah. guy. Uh, that that was a very like um, mod sort of English dude of the day. And and, uh, I liked that, that, that he was, he was at first you're thinking, who's this smart ass. He's going to be just this troublemaker who's shooting pictures of stuff he shouldn't. And he's going to want some money or whatever. He's the one that uncovers that there's something nefarious going on, something supernatural going on.
0: Yeah. They're the creepiest bits, aren't they? The the photographs.
1: They really are. Yeah. That sort of reveal, I think got, nicked by a lot of other movies later on, but I think it was one of the first movies to do it where you're in the dark room and you see something mm-hmm. and that's cool um, as somebody who spent countless hours in the dark room, I always appreciate when it looks like it's really happening for real Yeah. so uh,
0: I think he always wears like a neck scarf, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, he's always got a
0: neckerchief I, I think because like Cause they know what's going to happen to him. They need to set it up so that they can tie the dummy head on. <laughs> yeah, bit of pre-planning there.
1: <laughs> Didn't even think of that.
2: <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so, um so casting, um, I wanted to say that, uh, was it Oliver Reed that they were going to try to cast? They wanted to get Oliver Reed. They wanted to get Charlton Heston. There were so many different people.
0: William Holden.
1: William Holden. Um, Gregory Peck was kind of, I won't say past his prime because he was fully capable, but this was kind of past his peak of popularity as far as...
0: Yeah, he was, he was pretty much retired.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was...
0: Uh, and then he made money funny off this than any other film he ever did.
1: Oh, wow. I guess I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, he, he got like 250000 up front, and then he got a cut of the profits.
2: Wow. Oh, man.
1: Yeah, he took a good roll of the dice on that one.
2: Yeah, yeah. He did all right. Yeah. this. He, he was in,
0: After this, he was in uh, – uh, have you seen uh, The Boys from Brazil? Yeah.
1: Not in so, years.
0: It's based off an R11 story. Okay. Author of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I better not give it away, but it also involves an evil child. Oh, uh-huh. Old Gregory Pick being attacked
2: by dogs.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. By the way, good dog attack that that part mm. where they were digging up the graves and they get attacked that, oh, yeah. that looked very believable,
0: especially adding in the spike fence they have to climb over. That just, oh, that, yeah, you
2: really
0: relate to that, you know.
1: Yeah,
2: I think the dogs are more believable because Rottweilers don't have. Ail, that happily <laughs> <laughs> like other dogs in movies too
1: <laughs> that's a good point uh,
2: richard donna said um that the
0: uh, the dogs were more interested in each other than they were in the people it was it was a bit difficult to get them to attack the act oh geez uh they're they more interested in uh like uh making love with each other oh, oh really uh so they, Apparently, the actors had to put bits of meat down their pants and in their jackets to get the dogs to jump on them.
2: I was oh a- my god! <laughs> they
0: actually did go to uh, uh, David Warner's <laughs> double. Um, he got a he got a, actually attacked by the dogs. They got quite excited.
1: Oh yeah, they're like
0: his, his his double was named Terry Walsh, and he got he got actually jumped on by the dogs. Oh no!
1: I was going to joke about Gregory Peck being slathered with gravy, but then you. <laughs> then you point out that they actually <laughs> did put meat in their pants <laughs> I, I think his
0: his chari- I think they got the Thorn name, uh, David Seltzer says he named it after um, as a, the Liberal Party leader at the time was uh, Jeremy Thorpe
1: oh okay. he was,
0: uh, he was involved in a, a scandal that was very famous in, in Britain at the time so that, that's where that, that name
1: comes from oh okay so the the um, the original uh, nanny, we don't have her for very long. But yeah,
0: the, uh, Holly.
1: Holly. Okay.
0: Oh. Yeah, she's she's played by Holly Palance, and they refer to her as Holly as well.
1: Oh, okay. Um, but then uh, it's Mrs. Blaylock that comes along, who's her replacement.
0: Yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Blaylock, played by Billy Whitelaw.
1: Uh, she was straight up sinister. I thought that was <laughs> one of the better characters. I mean, all the characters in the movie are pretty good. I mean, they're they're written well and they're directed well and they're they're played by very capable actors. But uh, there was something about physically, like the, her look and the way she acted, uh, yep. super believable. Like she never gave too much. Uh, as as far as like anything you could hang suspicions on and uh when it finally gets to the point where it's like no this is not just an adversary but this is someone who will throw you out of a window and kill you (laughs) by the time you figure out that that's the deal it's too late you're going through the top of an ambulance
0: yeah yeah you're going out the window yeah Yeah, she's she's named after a couple of characters from revelation
1: oh really Um,
0: yeah so uh uh, there was this uh, soothsayer named balam who told king balak how to get the israelites to commit sin um, you know we were offering them like food and sex and stuff
1: uh-huh
0: and uh, so uh, once they were fallen god curses them with a deadly plague
1: oh mm. that makes sense um The other one I wanted to talk about was, uh, young Harvey Spencer Stevens who, uh, played Damien. Uh, they kept it, um, they kept it pretty lean as far as like, uh, mostly we just got reaction shots of him looking at things and kind of smirking or grinning or whatever. And he was a cute little kid. Uh, I kind of felt like that was smart. Like they didn't, they didn't pick like a really outgoing, ridiculous child, uh, like he didn't have to be as outgoing or, or um, animated as uh, Danny Lloyd was in the shining. Uh, this kid really, they just said, let's keep it simple and not. And I don't know if that's what they meant to do or if that's what they had to I, work with.
2: I only wish uh, Clint Howard had been young enough. To be <laughs>
1: Damien. <laughs> oh, Clint Howard. You know,
2: like, like, gentle Ben age.
1: Uh, Yeah. Oh, this is dark. I just clicked on him on my computer and apparently he, um, did a road rage attack on a couple of cyclists.
2: Damien? Yeah. Or Clint Howard.
1: Damien. Uh, yeah. He apparently, uh, did a little road rage attack on a couple of cyclists. Uh, in, uh, in Kent in 2016. Um, the, the court had heard that Stevens repeatedly used his horns when riders, uh, names redacted were out cycling separately. Then they were on side-by-side side on the road when one overtook the other, and uh, apparently they gave him the finger, and then he pulled over. Got out of his car, knocked one of them unconscious. Uh, the other one intervened.
2: Baboons yeah. got him.
1: <laughs> he punched the other one twice in the face, knocked him back. Wow.
2: Rottweiler got him.
1: <laughs> Man, they would. And then
2: have... some crows came down and he disappeared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they carried him away. Yeah.
2: Wow. <laughs> David Seltzer
0: originally was going to call him, uh, something else, wasn't he? Um, yeah, well, uh, Domlin. Oh, that's not as good. Yeah. His, so his wife suggested Damien.
1: It sounds more like demon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, there's, there's just always layers of crazy dark stuff whenever we get into <laughs> this movie.
0: Oh, well, there's lots of stories concerning this movie.
1: Yeah, do you want to talk about some of the um, supposed curse of?
0: Sure, I can, I can do a bit about that if you
2: want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I watched uh, that silly cursed movie thing last night too. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of
0: stories, but trying to substantiate them is a different matter. And they, there's, there's different versions, so you can take what you want from that. Um, uh, Gregory Peck's plane was struck by lightning. David Seltzer's plane was struck by lightning. One of the producers' planes was struck by lightning, but that's very common.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you don't usually notice it because planes aren't, it's not going to affect planes.
1: Right.
0: Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, You've got the Rockwellers attacking the stunt double. Um, There's a story that uh, the IRA bombed something. It was either Richard Donner's hotel or Gregory Peck's favorite restaurant. Um, Richard Donner also got hit by a car door. Uh, One of the staff at Longleat Zoo was killed by a lion the day after they filmed the baboon scene there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Gregory Peck slammed a car door on the thumb of the Italian taxi driver. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if, if you watch that scene, that's one of the flubs. Actually, uh, you see uh, a bandage on the taxi driver's one of his fingers. This big, thick bandage, and then when they do the reverse cut, um, it's gone. Oh, um, the uh, yeah. One one of them is that the um, after they'd finished filming, uh, John Richardson, the special effects guy, he was driving with his either girlfriend or assistant, Liz Moore, uh, and uh, had a crash with a truck and she was decapitated. Yeah. And this occurred in the Netherlands while he was shooting uh, uh, a bridge too far. Wow. And uh, when he woke up, uh, a nearby signpost said it was 66.6 kilometers to Oman. Norman is a is a municipality in the Eastern Netherlands yeah Yeah. Um, I was with it up until the 66.6 kilometers what sort of sign does does 0.6 yeah Um, so I'm not sure about that one Um, yeah but yeah there's always stories connected with it it did very well for the Exorcist as well they did a similar sort of campaign
1: right Um that that signpost could have that could have been deliberate if it were long enough after the movie. But yeah, you're right. That seems such a random marker to choose. I mean it's like here in Colorado, we had to get rid of mile markers four twenty anywhere. Um because all the all the all the kids who dig the weed would steal them. So I guess we're at uh, <clears throat> mile marker four nineteen and nine tenths or something like that.
2: Yeah,
1: or whatever it is they chose to do in in replacing it. Um, there was some other um, trivia uh, that I would like to mention is that uh, the intro to our show, um, the Moonrays play what we call intro creature features, is actually. A Henry Mancini composition called "Experiment in Terror," which um, did star Lee Remick, the star, the uh, the female lead of this movie. Uh, she yep. she starred in that in 1962 opposite Glenn Ford. Right. So that that's kind of a cool tie-in for our show. Yes. Eerie, isn't she, it?
2: She's also in *The Satan Bug*. How about that? Ooh, I have a copy of that. I need to watch that and get it back to you.
0: Yeah. Uh, I tried looking up the, the paintings you see in the movie um, there's that big clown painting in the uh, in the games room oh yeah at the Thorn residence I couldn't identify that but um, when he brings when Robert brings the baby Damien into Catherine the first time uh, the painting there is is called uh, Angel with a Loop Looking Down uh, by Milozzo da Foley uh, painted sometime in the late 15th century um, and that's uh, the loop symbolize the harmony between God and man oh I don't know if that was deliberate or not but um, it's in there
1: wow Um, were you both um, fairly satisfied with the wrap up of the movie where we have uh, um, Robert Thorne taking young Damien to the church to uh, kill him with the daggers when
2: he really dragged that little kid around
1: <laughs> you know again if you want to get a good reaction out of a kid kick him or drag him for real
0: <laughs> uh yeah I couldn't buy why
2: the uh, detective had a gun yeah mm,
1: yeah that was I didn't
2: think about that but yeah yeah
1: that wasn't typical in England was it
0: Yeah, that's like a special request you have to have. There has to be a situation that warrants a gun and have to request it and special...
2: uh, Look, I'm sure if if you said to the judge or whoever, devil baby, they'd give you a gun.
0: He he just gets a call on the radio and he's off and he's armed. Yeah. He knew. I I noticed, uh, because I've seen this film lots of times, the route that... Gregory Peck, the Robert Thorne character takes when he drives from his house to that church is basically a summary of the movie he goes he drives down um, Seven Hills Road okay Uh, so that relates to Rome okay where he starts the movie and then he ends up in Old Church Street which is the ending of the movie
1: yeah yeah that totally so makes the sense. The old
0: churches.
1: Yeah, Rome is built on seven hills. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: From from the children of a of a dog. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's all tied together. It Makes so much sense. Yeah. Um <laughs> This was back when you could bring daggers on airplanes. I guess that was a that was a private flight, but still. <laughs> Just a rolled up Sack of daggers.
0: That's a, that's another story connected with this. Is like uh, they were going to Haro's plane for the to, for, I think just for flying them to Israel, maybe. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, the airport said, if you come back tomorrow, you can charter it really cheap. But we've someone else is using it today. The flight that took off that day hit a flock of birds, crashed into a road outside of the airport killing everyone inside this car. The people inside the car were the wife and child of the pilot. Yeah.
1: That's horrible. That I've heard of that one. And you reckon I,
0: that
2: one's true.
1: It's, I don't know. It's too eerie to be true, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, uh, we've heard of stranger coincidences than that, but that is just awful. I guess. They drop him off for work. He jumps right in the plane, yeah. takes off. Like the I, ti- guess so. I don't know. Did they stop at the snack shop on the way out? I mean, it's just a lot of timing there. <laughs> you know,
0: they, they offended the devil anyway.
1: Yeah, it's like why would the devil? A, a question for people who are like, oh, the devil wanted to stop this movie from getting made. No, it would be good publicity for the devil why would the devil say Mm -hmm. i don't want this to get made the devil would be like yeah i'm badass check out what i do
0: the other thing you point out is that nothing stopped the movie and nothing actually happened to the people working on the movie
1: right yeah yeah like literally every cursed film quote-unquote cursed film these are just the risks of being an animal wrangler or a person who constantly flies airplanes or flies in airplanes, uh, airplanes that fly through stormy areas that have a lot of lightning, there's no reason to think that anything like, oh, wow, this guy actually got bit by a dog that he was supposed to be pretending to be bitten by. Well, wow, he had meat in his sleeve and he got bitten. That, I don't know. Is that surprising? A guy, <laughs> A guy who constantly you know, ruffles the feathers of all kinds of different creatures, eventually gets killed by one. Not surprising. Were you surprised when Steve Irwin got killed by a stingray or when that, um, cigarette- since he was in land. Yeah. <laughs> Flying stingrays.
0: He was just making a sandwich.
1: It was a nineteen 19- Yeah. It came up out of the sink drain and killed him. <laughs> yeah it was it was a stingray bicycle from the 70s it was a yeah but uh i look at all the things that happen in the in the making of a movie it's not surprising that accidents happen but you know
2: yeah you've got how many people to make a movie (laughs) Several hundred
1: yeah yeah if you include extras and bystanders and Everybody else, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, So I don't believe any of it's supernatural. I think it's all totally uh, par for the course. I mean, I'm sure that when there's things that happen during the making of a comedy, people don't really talk about it like it's eerie
2: you know, uh, three men and a baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited when I heard about that and was able to freeze frame yeah. it. And then oh, God, yeah, I ruined it by Googling it or whatever the search engine of the time was. And somebody was like, that's just a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson. I'm like, but it looks like a kid with that kind of bowl cut hairdo. Nope. Out of focus, nope. out of focus. It's just the Ted Danson cutout. We
2: didn't have the internet when that came out, I remember. <laughs> no, we did. We didn't. watched that tape over and over and over trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. But since it never moved, I I didn't think cut out, but I figured it must have been some sort of picture, it
1: you know, or a mannequin or something. A mannequin?
2: Yeah, exactly, something like that. Yeah. I, one bit of video I'd like to see is the um,
0: uh, the music sequence from the 77 Oscars. Because uh, Jerry Goldsmith got the Oscar for this. It's his only Oscar. Oh, and cool. uh, uh, which was surprising. You know, he didn't want to go to the Oscars because he'd been nominated so many times and lost. But they made him go and he, he won. Uh, and he was up against like uh, Bernard Hermann, had done his last ever sound, soundtrack for a Taxi Driver.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um,
0: so, yeah, he, he didn't think he'd win at all, but he won. But what ended up happening was because it's uh, nominated the... Uh, the theme tune from this is a nominated song. Uh, they performed it on the Oscars, so you've got this big, like, mainstream show, and there's this like choir
2: going, oh, there's so Oh man!
1: Yeah,
2: I'd, I'd love <laughs> like to see that. Oh, we got to look on YouTube. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's crazy. What year was it that we got a streaker? Because that would have been like, <laughs> that would have totally been like the best.
0: Isn't that every every year? It's a tradition.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh god. Yeah, the music was so baroque, wasn't it? Like this is Yes, yeah, great. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's one one of the best.
1: Yeah, it's pretty heavy. But um I think uh, the way you put it a few episodes ago when you said one of the movies we were talking about was just essential viewing, this I think is one of them. Um, in my opinion, there's, there's no way around it. Like if you are into horror movies uh, and maybe you're a little young for this or, or something, you should just watch it because it is essential viewing. That's my opinion of it. I recommend it, obviously. Um, how do you guys feel about it as far as I recommend? Oh,
2: well, I recommend it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I recommend it. I, I find uh so it's uh, chilling and exciting, and, and uh, even if you take out all the supernatural stuff, you've still got this uh, uh, this couple that, like uh, the the man's told this. Well, he, he's he's pulled this big deception on his wife, and yeah. she, she's going crazy because she doesn't love this kid that she feels isn't actually hers. Um, and then he he's getting kind of uh, worried about his own sanity because all these people keep coming up to him and. Providing him with circumstantial evidence, and yeah, so he's going crazy too. So there's lots of scary stuff going on, with, you know, even without the supernatural. And uh, I also like it how it, um, uh, you know, I, I, at this point, the British horror movie was basically Hammer movies mm-hmm. and and the various related independent studios, um, but this one felt like uh, this. There's something very Bondy about it's got very uh, various cast and crew worked on the Bond series um and uh, the, the way they orchestrate the the music and the editing and the build up the visuals and then you get the payoff the big stunt death yeah uh, it, it feels like it's this is bringing James Bond aesthetics to the horror movie yeah, and yeah you know, I could see that yeah you, you hadn't seen before so I, I think that was big influence on uh uh, splatter movies at least uh, to come um, there weren't that many movies that ripped this off as they were for the Exorcist uh, I think because um, the Exorcist you just need a kid throwing around pea soup in a room and
2: yeah and
0: there you are but this one is like more it's international you need you need more of a budget to, to do something that's at all like yeoman and um, so it didn't didn't have that kind of influence, but you know, as as I say, the way it mounted the big horror shock effect scenes was uh, uh, that was that was a watershed time
1: for sure. And- um, there
0: there is an Italian movie actually called uh, I recommend called uh, I saw it as the Chosen, uh, it came out in seventy seven. Uh, it's also known as Holocaust two thousand. It stars Kirk Douglas, and it's basically the Omen again. Um, and it's directed by Alberto Di Martino, who uh, he also directed the Antichrist, which is a, an exorcist uh, you know, cash in, you know, back in the golden age when the Italians would do all these.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Excellent uh, cash ins on big movies.
1: Italian mockbusters. <laughs> yeah. A few more that uh, don't agree with our. Um, estimations of this movie. Um, Jack Kroll of Newsweek called this a dumb and largely dull movie. Gene <laughs> Shalit called it a piece of junk. Judith Crist said it offers more laughs than the average comedy. So this goes to show that at the beginning of the show, when I say we're not professional critics, that's a good thing. <laughs> because
2: no one wants to be Gene Shalit.
1: Yeah. I mean, have you seen the guy? <laughs> Yeah. No, <laughs> oh, he looks like a character, like, like all that crazy hair is glued on or something.
0: Is he the one with the big mustache? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. Yeah. He, it looks like someone put on a really bad Groucho mask.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: But anyway, uh, yeah. So the, um, the critics of the day were at least then a bunch of idiots about this movie. And I bet, I bet a lot of them took it back later, but who cares if they did or they didn't? This is a really good movie. Will, is this is this among your favorites as far as supernatural horror?
2: Uh yeah, it's up there. It's up there pretty high. It's you know, it's one that I always enjoy. Yeah. I, I put this... I didn't mind. I I even rented it last night because we decided to watch it last night.
1: Oh you got better
2: than you bringing it over. But it was four yeah. bucks and I was like, I can spend four bucks on the Elm Yeah. It wasn't three from hell. Ravager
1: (laughs) Oh yeah Oh we've come a long way haven't we Yeah Just constant advancements in you know Writing and directing Yeah Uh,
2: (laughs) Oh and this is something I'm going to throw this in here uh, Right now because I've forgotten for the last Like month I've been meaning to mention to you guys That Glenn Danzig Has a film out Mm. called Verotica, and it looks like possibly the worst thing ever put on, on film.
1: Oh my God. I I heard he was working on the review.
2: The review I heard was that uh, Glenn Danzig saw that, uh, that our favorite person, Rob Zombie could make films and thought he could too, but he couldn't.
1: Oh, but I got, okay. I just Googled it while you're saying this guess how long the movie is will 90 minutes exactly 90 minutes <laughs> oh uh, oh man I gotta watch this yeah, thing
2: I saw I saw clips of it 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 looks like it has sub porno acting
1: oh god this is great oh you could rent it on prime video for 399
2: oh it's okay it was before it was like 20 bucks. And I was like, you're crazy, Glenn. Nobody's paying that. Yeah. It looks, all it's so amateurish. They have scenes where you can see the top of the set because they're, they've they aimed the camera up and you can tell that it's just the set. And, you know, there's no ceiling there. Just things like that. Really, really bad line reads.
1: Uh, is he in it? Because he, that, that would explain, like, the, the disparity in the height uh, between the camera angle and the set. Uh,
2: <laughs> Maybe. I don't believe he's in it.
1: Okay. Because he's, like, what, four foot three or something?
2: Something like that.
1: It's so startling when you see, like, whenever the music videos, they use these camera angles and it's like, Danzig is this muscular giant. And then you find out that he's... Not that big. he's
2: two foot three and sleeps in a shoebox.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he got in a fight with Tom Cruise one time.
2: <laughs> yeah, over a shoebox. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> oh, I want to watch. Should we watch?
2: Yeah, a- <laughs> it. Oh my God. Yeah, I've been meaning to mention it. And every time I forget. And then after the show, I'm like, oh, God damn it. I forgot Veronica. Which he had a comic called Verotic, at one point.
1: Oh, the cast was terrible. The cast is nothing but women.
2: Yeah, and they're all strippers.
1: One of them is a porn actress, it looks like.
2: Yeah, there's a. Sounds like the Lost Empire again. Yeah. Oh, it wishes it was the Lost Empire. (laughs) I think there's like it's. uh, It's a, a anthology with three stories. Okay. Um. Yeah. Oh. It has terrible effects.
1: Just ooh. Yeah. It says it's it. It says it compiles stories from his line of comic books of the same name. Okay. Now that's all I can think about. That's all I want.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now that it's four bucks, I might rent it
1: yeah let's
2: when i looked it up a month ago it was like 1999 or something like that's crazy
1: glenn is like it's
2: shot on video and looks it
1: yeah he's like why is no one buying this uh this crap have you seen it did you did you watch the thing (laughs) oh god well um but this this one was uh Definitely a classic. The critics were a bunch of morons and, uh, yeah, it was such a good, uh, rewatch. I, I just wanted to rewind the decapitation scene and watch it over and over, <laughs> but I didn't have to, cause it kept going. <laughs> I covered my eyes. I took my hands away. The head was still tumbling. It was, it was
2: still rolling.
1: <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys. Well, should we call it a show? Well, I guess so. All right. Well, uh, I think this was a, a really good essential viewing uh, movie to talk about, and I'm glad we did it.
2: And, All right. Till next time. Uh, keep off the moors. Your mother was a jackal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for listening. When your
2: father's <laughs> thank of elderberries. berries. Ah.
1: <laughs> All right. Have a good one.
2: Till next time. Yeah. Bye. Hey guys. Guys.
1: Bye.